Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit get 30, bit get 20, 20, 20, bit get 20, 20, bit get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Join Hoda Kotb for a brand new season of her podcast, Making Space. For season five, I am making space to talk to people who are providing a sense of hope and inspiration when life changes course. Uplifting conversations with inspiring individuals like NFL legend Drew Brees, singer-songwriter Ziggy Marley, and today's show co-anchor Savannah Guthrie as you have never heard her before. I found faith more viscerally, not because the bad thing didn't happen, but because it did. I promise you, like me, will leave these conversations with some wisdom for your own journey, empowered and inspired to make space in your own life. New episodes of Making Space with Hoda Kotb are released every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Zivi Owens, and you're listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. This 30-minute podcast features a new author interviewed by me every single day, 365 days a year for about 30 minutes. I am also the publisher for Zibby Books, which publishes 12 books a year in fiction and memoir. Our books are already out now. You can check it out on zibbybooks.com. And we have a magazine called Zibby Mag, where we have lots of wonderful essays and lifestyle features. That's at zibbymag.com. We have classes at zibbyclasses.com. And I recently opened a bookstore in LA called Zibby's Bookshop at 1113 Montana Avenue at 11th Street in Santa Monica. I hope that you are able to enjoy some of our other offerings. But this here podcast is the basis of all of it and started in 2018. And no matter what I do, this is basically my favorite thing. Enjoy. Catherine Heine is the author of Games and Rituals Stories. She is the author of Early Morning Riser and was on this podcast to discuss that if you want to go back, Standard Deviation, and Single Carefree Mellow. And her short fiction has appeared in The New Yorker, The Atlantic, and many other magazines. She has lived in London, The Hague, and Boyne City, Michigan, and now lives in Maryland with her husband and children. I caught her on vacation in Florida. Welcome, Catherine. Thank you so much for coming back on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss games and rituals stories. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You are so funny. I, I like your sense of humor is so amazing in these stories. You're just like so clever and so I, I, like unexpected. And I don't know, your just your view of like human nature and how people interact. And I mean, I first of all, I will never take a driving test again the same way. But all your stories, I mean, it's really amazing. I just, I'm such a huge fan. You're such a huge talent, and it's just wonderful to read. Thank you. Well, can you tell listeners about 
the story collection and why a story collection after Early Morning Riser and when these stories started and just all the back, the backstory of the stories. Sure. The DMV story, the first one, comes to you courtesy of my son's driving test. I took him there for the road test and and we had to go sit in a different part of the DMV. But I could see the driving examiners and one of them was a woman. And because I watch a lot of true crime, I was like, you know, Ted Bundy had a driver's license. That means somebody gave him a driving test and maybe that was a woman. (laughs) I think that, well, I shouldn't speak for everyone. I can only speak for myself, but I think I write to make sense of the world. I write to process things. I love it that you're nodding really. I'm nodding. I do the same thing. I totally understand. So I think when I'm tense or stressed, I write more because I'm trying to process things. So like I wrote the whole outline of that story on like a receipt from my purse. It just came to me very quickly and I knew the broad strokes of it. And then I actually wrote it before like driving out of state to get an abortion became such a topical, like I, I very accidentally wrote a politically like relevant <laughs> story that never happens to me before. <laughs> so that incident actually happened just before the pandemic. And then I didn't write the story till 2021. I had a lot of trouble writing during the, the actual lockdown part of the pandemic which I think is because, well, we were all super stressed, but also I think I was too isolated and I didn't have enough exposure to like funny things. Like once I took the, I, before the pandemic, I flew to Michigan to see my parents and a man on the flight told me politely that the legs of his underpants were too tight. <laughs> and I was just like, that's a gift. Like, yeah. I'm so happy. I was like, is everything that happens to me from here on out going to be like less than? But so it's being out and being inspired by things that happen, even if they're not what you write, they sort of put you in the mood to write. So I would say about half the stories were written in the time between Standard Deviation and Early Morning Riser. I wrote some stories. And then the other half were planned during the pandemic and then written in like a big burst, right? Probably right around starting in maybe spring of 21. Except there's one story, the title story, Games and Rituals. I actually wrote that when I was in graduate school. Wow. And we found it when we were moving. And my husband read it and he said, I love it. I want it to be in your new book. And I want that to be the title. And Nobody ever likes my titles. So I thought, well, maybe they'll like Ian's. And it was funny because I updated it a little bit. And then my editor read it and she was like, it's almost like this takes place in the 90s. And I was like, well, guess what? It takes place in the 80s. Um, Updated it. And because it was really hilarious, people were like leaving each other voicemails and home answering machines and stuff. But so I have such a fondness for that story. And like my children are now older than I was when I wrote that story. It's a really weird, you know, Lion King circle of life, even though (laughs) they're not writers. So it's not really. But and then in this, the second story is called Damascus. And it's about 
the mother who suspects her teenage son of smoking weed. And when I was in high school and I would go out drinking to parties, I would come home and my parents' bedroom was right at the top of the stairs. So I would go in there and I would basically do stand up in front of their, you know, (laughs) at the foot of their bed for half an hour before I went to bed. And my parents never, ever thought it was anything other than, you know, spontaneous sociability. (laughs) And so I wanted to write the story about a mother who's sort of projecting her own teen years onto like her very nice teen son. And that's how that story came about. And then I really, I sort of stalled out um, with the idea until I thought of the idea that maybe like she does the drugs that yeah. she's so worried about him. And that really allowed me to finish the story. And also she has an ex-husband with whom she has a very complicated relationship. And I think I like to write about relationships after they've ended, like what's left over. And the fact that neither of those characters have gotten married to anybody else in 12 years makes me think like there's there's still a connection there. Wait, can we talk about Damascus for a minute? Because sure. I'm kind of obsessed with this because you know, with all your story, you just don't know you don't see where it's going at all. Like, and I love these, you know, whether it's going off the embankment literally in one story or the drug use of the mom and like actually kind of like the, you know, the sort of sexual assault and like awful stuff that happens to her that she's so flippant about, you know, in her own high school years. But there's this passage. Can I read like two paragraphs? Is that okay? Sure. Um, sure. You wrote, Mia knew how drug use started. It started for her when she got invited to a party. It was the kind of party that other kids went to every single weekend, but she only got invited this one time and she wanted to make sure she got invited again. So when someone passed a joint around this party and everyone looked at Mia expectantly, she took a hit, saw them still looking and took another hit. Mia really had been shit at resisting peer pressure in high school. But over time, she began to think these other kids were onto something. Being high made every cell in your body relax, made every social situation manageable. She became funny and extroverted, and suddenly she had tons of friends, tons of parties to go to. She had begun to feel that stoned Mia was the real Mia, and sober Mia was like someone with an unmedicated condition, an ulcer or a migraine. And nobody thought people with ulcers or migraines shouldn't be medicated. Everyone had the right to treat their afflictions. Soon, Mia had to smoke in the morning before school and at lunch hour and during bathroom breaks in the afternoon because the afternoons were just too fucking long without it. And after school and before dinner and after dinner and before bed, never mind the weekends when it was one long inhalation from Friday afternoon to Monday morning. <laughs> I'm obsessed with this passage. And also just having been a very shy teenager and, you know, felt having felt much more open when I was drinking, not that I want my kids to hear this, but, you know, I do write about it, but it's fine. Just the fact that like there is this, solution to like introversion essentially that Mia has also sort of stumbled upon. So I don't know, I related and like, just love that passage. I remember writing, I had written maybe two thirds of the story. I don't write chronologically. I write like the, you know, I'll leave like two question marks and then I'll come back to it later. So I knew, I remember writing that thinking like, I need a a transition seen here to like explain her past drug usage and then I remember writing it and it being making me really happy (laughs) and the whole idea like I get migraines so I was like you know we all do have the right to treat our afflictions which seems like the totally self-serving but sort of also weirdly 
prissy things teens say. Like sometimes they say these really judgmental sort of Puritan things. And it's very funny. I like to write about teachers, teenagers a lot. Yes. Well, teenage, I mean, there's so much material there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I have two teenagers right now myself and feel like I could fill many books just documenting what they do and say every day. Well, I feel like in an uncertain world, teenagers are always going to make bonkers decisions. You can rely on it. Well, that's even like how you write in the DMV story about just that teenagers, like just, it's almost like they're just so stupid. Like they make these driving judgment calls because like they just lack, obviously we all know the prefrontal cortex that is not fully developed for teenagers, but just like the decisions of like taking off a sweatshirt in the middle of an intersection mm-hmm. or just like things that they just don't think it through. And you're almost forgiving of it. In the, it's almost like, it's not even their fault. They just like, don't even know any better. That's just the way they are. Yeah. When my younger son chose the college that he wanted to go to, he like actually researched it and based on like, these are the classes I want to take. Whereas most people that I went to high school with chose college based on whether like the cafeteria served caffeinated beverages. You know, there was, there was no, I don't know. I just think teenagers are really dangerous and crazy for a long time. And, and, but we're all used to it. So yeah, you just go with it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, anyway, I cut you off and started having you talk about Damascus, but if you want to run through the rest or whatever you you were Um, going through. Well, then there's, I'm thinking of the order. Then there's the story Twist and Shout, which is about a woman whose elderly father mistakes his hearing aid for cashew and eats it, which my dad did. Stop. No, he did. And well, first of all, he had these really rubbish hearing aids that he got from like something that he wrote away in the back of a, you know, magazine. And then I saw them, I think this is so bizarre, but I think it was on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. One of them was talking about their super expensive, great hearing aids. And I was like, dad needs this. I made these appointments. I flew to Michigan. I took him to the appointments and it was really, really helping. And then he was having some cashews and he took it out. And then I guess he didn't notice. I don't know. He crunched it up. So we had to go to the audiologist and I told them what happened. And I'm like, is that not the most hilarious thing ever? And they were like, oh, it happens all the time. And it was still under warranty. So. Oh my gosh. Wait, did you go to another doctor? Like, no, did you? One. No, no. Like, didn't you have to talk to like an internist about what happens when you eat a hearing aid? No, he spit it out. Oh, oh okay. He punched okay. it up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> And that was another story that I sort of, I started and I didn't know where it was going. And then this is going to sound so depressing, but my dad actually died at the end of 2020. I'm sorry. So there are like three stories in the collection that deal with an elderly parent dying. And it's once again, because I was trying to make sense of it. I feel like I'm about to make you cry and I'm really sorry. No, no, no. Oh. You just looked very sad and sympathetic. And I thought, oh. I'm I'm not actually going to cry. I feel really sad that you had to go through that. And it's really, I don't know. It's very sad. So I was just, my heart was going out to you. That's all. But I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. Um, 
I mean, it was my dad was 92 and he thought he had like the greatest life ever, which he did because he was married to my mom and for other reasons. But it really it made it a lot easier saying goodbye, knowing he thought he had like a really great run, which he did. So that was, um, and my dad is very, was very conservative, although not as conservative as the dad in the story. And once when I took my dad to the audiologist, this was after he'd eaten the hearing aid and he couldn't hear anything. And there was another man in the hearing, in the audiologist waiting room and he was there with his mom and he and I could like hear each other. So we got really excited to talk to each other. And I remember thinking in the story, like, I want him to be in it. I want him to be like the husband she would have in this alternate universe. But then as I was writing the story, it became funnier to make it like about her teenage self. See, I always go back to it's being the mother of teenagers that is constantly inspiring. So (laughs) how old are your teenagers now? They are actually 20 and 22. So they're not quite teenagers anymore. Although I think the pandemic put everybody back yeah. maturity-wise by like five years. So yes. yeah. How old are your teenagers? Uh, 15. They're twins. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of the other stories. In- well, you don't have to go through every single one if you don't want oh. but- but I'm loving hearing the backstory of these, of the stories. Okay. The first one that we're talking about, the DMV was called chicken flavored and lemon scented based on the Chelsea girls. Damascus, twist and shout, turn back, turn back, games and rituals, Cobra, 561, pandemic behavior, bridesmaid revisited, King Midas and Skybar. Turn back, turn back is I had an idea of this couple meeting in their New York kitchen and discussing his infidelity, but masked in the parameters of the fairy tale, the robber bridegroom, where she said, where in the story, the beautiful maiden says it, I, you know, it was all a dream as she like lays out the robber bridegroom's crimes. And so I had this idea and it took me 35 years to write the story. (laughs) I had to get some Took me a while to work out the details. I I just remember having that very specific idea, but not knowing how to make it a story because I was like 22 and not, you know, sometimes I could recognize material, but not be able to do anything with it. So that was a really gratifying story to write after so long. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, get 20, 20, get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, grown-ups! The Cat in the Hat cast is a new podcast from Wondery, perfect for the whole family. Join the Cat in the Hat and your favorite Dr. Seuss characters as they get whisked away on a new adventure every week. Fish dreams of creating his very own polite and quiet podcast. That is, until he gets a surprise visit to his fishful podcast studio from the Cat in the Hat himself, and it becomes very clear that the cat 
has other plans for the podcast, and those plans are the opposite of quiet. The cat may be disruptive, but it turns out he's also a great help to get fish out of all kinds of predicaments. Bursting with music, silliness, and rhymes, the Cat in the Hat cast encourages us all to find fun that is funny in every episode. So sing along to new favorite songs, try your luck at Titanic Tongue Twisters, have some fun with wondrous wordplay, and most importantly, bring your family along for all of the adventures in the Cat in the Hat cast. Follow the Cat in the Hat cast on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to the Cat in the Hat cast ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or Wondery Kids Plus in Apple Podcasts. Wait, how do you, how did you, how do you not lose all those ideas? Like even the receipt that you, do you like pin it up to a bulletin board? How did you remember this idea? Do you have a notebook? Like where, I I don't remember anything I was thinking from 35 years ago, basically. I just have that kind of memory. I like never forget anything. Wow. Although a really funny story thing is that in Turn Back, Turn Back, she finds the, the Starbucks receipt and that's what starts making her suspicious of her husband. So when I was finally writing the story, I went to Starbucks and I was like, I mean, I bought a coffee and then I was like, now what could I find from the receipt if I was looking? And they were super helpful. And then when I left, the girl was like, I'm so sorry about your husband. (laughs) I think she didn't believe the story at all. She was like, oh, great. And I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure she, who knows what other misunderstandings it led to, but that was a really fun story to write because it's more like a detective story mm-hmm. than I usually write. So that was fun. And then in pandemic behavior, I get migraines and they got a lot worse during mm-hmm. the pandemic. And I did start getting these injections and mm-hmm. like, I have my husband to inject me. It's very hard to inject yourself. Um, but I was like, what if I didn't have him? What if it was just like some clueless roommate. And then I began writing that story and I loved the roommate so much. The whole book, I loved writing, but the speech, the drunk speech that Lohani gives about bikini waxes <laughs> is probably my favorite part. That was probably the most fun. <laughs> oh my gosh. Basically, like the stories are like it's it's like stand up. It's like you just observe and you laugh to yourself and then you turn them into stories for the rest of us to laugh at. It's very clever. That's a nice way to look at it. Yeah, I I do remember funny things. I mean, they do st- stick out for me. And there's that part of um Heartburn by Nora Ephron where yeah. I just started rereading that. I bought it in the airport the other day and I was like, I haven't read this in years. And now there's, it's been reissued and I should totally read this again. And maybe I'll have a new view of it. And I started, I was like, this is so good. It's even better than the first time I read it like years ago. Have you only read it? This is only your second reread. This is only my second reading. Oh my gosh. See, I I think I reread it every time I mention it. I'll probably like start rereading it again. (laughs) um, But there's a part where, she talks about how her therapist says that when she retells the story, she varies it slightly to make it more interesting. And the narrator is like, me, once I get a story going, I don't change a syllable. And I feel like maybe that's how I do remember things is I sort of craft them into a story and then it's like easier to access because you're accessing a story rather than a random event. But yeah, 
this, I told you at the beginning, we were in Florida on vacation and yesterday we all went swimming in the pool. And as my husband got out, some man sitting there was like, are you British? What do you know about World War II? And so they had this like half an hour talk. And I was like, it made my husband really happy. I'm like, was this some sort of very specific honey trap situation? <laughs> like, like, what are the odds this guy is just hanging out there? And and so like, I'll always remember that because it was, it was really funny. And we made fun of my husband the whole day about it. But, um, <laughs> I forget as if it. there's, as if there's a lack of people who know about World War II. I know. It was a really weird sort of approach. We're yeah. like, did you do that to every British person? Is yeah. his family like, this is the fourth guy this week you <laughs> bombarded about World War II. <laughs> but my husband really likes to read books about military history and, and World War II in particular. So it was, you know. Yeah, worked out. Like if I thought of it, I could have given him this as like an anniversary gift. and paid <laughs> This <him> man? <laughs> but it did actually happen spontaneously. Turns out, like, from now on, this man, like, comes on all your family vacations. Yeah. Like, or party, parties you don't want to go to. And, like, there he is in the corner. And Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Okay. So when you're putting the stories together and, like, how important was the order to you? How much time did you spend on figuring out which went first, second? Like, how, how did you do that? It was very important to me. And usually I only like the story that I've most recently written. So like every time I would write a story, it would go on at the beginning and they were going in, you know, and my editor saw that when she read it. And so we mixed it up a lot of different ways and tried to, you know, make a balance of there's a couple of first person stories. There's also a couple of stories that take place during the pandemic and a couple after the pandemic. So we wanted it to, to, to be evenly weighted. And how do you know when it's a story versus that you should save it and turn it into a novel? I think that, well, both my previous novels started out as short stories and I just had more things to say about those characters. So I went back. But I also think that short stories that I used to write, nothing ever happened. It was all character development, no plot whatsoever. I've learned to do that a little bit, plot. And I'm like, (laughs) That shit is hard. I see why Stephen <laughs> King and Alfred Leonard get the big bucks. This is really difficult. I think the early stories that I wrote, I was like, wow, I really like Jane and Duncan. I want to write a whole book about them. And here I felt like I was definitely choosing something. I was choosing stories that could only be told as a story. The arc was smaller. But there's, I mean, there are still things like last winter we had to get our furnace stopped working. So we called the furnace guy. He comes over and he says he can only look at it. He can't do anything because he doesn't have his van or his tools. It's like, like, why did he come? Why did you come? Yeah. And then he's like, so it could be an air bubble. It could not be an air bubble. And I'm like, Schrodinger's air bubble, which made me really happy. He didn't laugh at all. (laughs) like four more times. I mean, it was just like, I was like, I have to write a story about this guy. But then see, he's a thing that I think he he could work in a novel. He could be a character. So certain things just come to me. They, they seem like I could make a story of it. Stories are always easier than novels. So maybe it's just doing something that's easier, but 
yeah, I would say all the all the stories in the collection were inspired by some real event. That's awesome. And do you have a novel going now? I have a new one that I'm planning. Yeah. It has a lot of teenagers in it. I bet. Um, and a lot of people make really bad decisions and it has lots of plot, but that's all I want to say. Okay. Right so sound like good ingredients. <laughs> Practicing your, your plotting. <laughs> Bravo. I always like to know, like when I'm writing whatever project, I always want to know what the next project is going to be. Mm-hmm. If, if I don't know that, then I get nervous that there won't be another project. Because for years and years and years, I didn't write anything. So I'm always sort of afraid it's going to like go away again. <laughs> so like you used it all up, you used the content up. There's no more, there will be no more ideas. And that was a fun run and that's it pretty much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I just love the idea that you're going through life, picking up these hilarious isolated moments and, and just and memorializing them in some way because life, I mean, this sounds so stupid, what I'm about to say, like life is so ridiculous and so crazy and so funny and all the everyday stuff. I mean, it's like, you're the, it's like Seinfeld that did it one way, right? Like just oh. the funny and like, this is like another way of, of the everyday becoming like, just, I don't know. Never mind. <laughs> That's a huge compliment. But usually when I plan a story, the funny parts are the parts I write first. Mm-hmm. Those are the ones that I usually are the inspiration. But I think that any story and this is also in a novel, but it has to be tighter in a short story. You have to be waving, weaving two things together. It's not enough to be like, like once when I, I think I was in graduate school and a man eyed me through the like sneeze guard of a salad bar and then tried to kiss me. And I was what? Like, he was like, I'm sorry, you reminded me of someone else. And it was this just bonkers <laughs> encounter. I remember like, like wanting to write a story about it, but not knowing how to do it. And I think as you get older and wiser and the more you write, the stronger you get, then you learn there has to be these at least two threads, maybe more that you're pulling in and weaving together. If it's going to be like a really satisfying short story, that's going to maybe even like encapsulate a character's whole life, then there has to be some sort of texture, some some weaving going on. Interesting. Okay. Amazing. Okay. Go back to the beach. Thank you for taking the time inside talking to me today. It was so fun. It was so fun. Thank you. I want to hear like all of the funny things that happen in your days. Like I, I get such a kick out of it. I love your sense of humor so much. Anyway, thank you. Well, you're very welcome. Thanks for having me on the show. Of course, my pleasure. (laughs) Just quickly tell me what I should read. I'm in a reading slump. You have to read Jane Roper's The Society of Shame. Okay. I just finished it two days ago and it's like a satire and I laughed so hard the first chapter I was crying, but I also had no expectations. I thought it wasn't going to be that, like, I didn't know it was going to be funny. It didn't seem Mm -hmm. like it would be funny, but I I haven't laughed that hard in a long time. It's by Jane Roper, but what's the title? The Society of Shame. Society of Shame. Okay. It comes out, I think in like two days or something, a couple of days. 
If it's oh. not, if, yeah, I think it comes out Tuesday. Okay. Anything else? Um, anything else? I just finished Romantic Comedy by Curtis Sittenfeld. Oh, was it awesome? Uh, it was funny. Also very funny. What else? Enchantment, Catherine May. Okay. So good. She's more poetic, beautiful, but also it's a, a lot about anxiety and, you know, it's a different take on pandemic life and, you know, all of that. Not all about the pandemic, but like she's very funny writing about how all she wanted to do was be on Twitter. And and yet you're reading, you're like reading the book because she's talking about how she can't read and yet you're reading it. So you already like feel like you're doing better. <laughs> This was a book last year, but we all want impossible things. My favorite book. So good. Favorite book of last year. I loved it so much. I can't even, I just rec. I just sold it in my bookstore yesterday to somebody. They were like, I needed like a really great book. And I was like, you have to read this book. This is so great. It made me want to go into hospice, like in the best way. Now I, that was just such a standout book for me. I really, really, wow. Maybe I'll go read it again. Yeah. Well, between that and Nora Ephron, you you should be pretty good. Mm -hmm. Well, (laughs) it's only your second time through. I know. I know. It's so good again. I I mean, I don't know. And I was younger when I read. Anyway. Well, what should I read? What, what, have you read anything great? I'm just reading The Story Will Change by Elizabeth Crane. Did you read, have you read that? I did not. It's about the the end of her marriage, but it's written all in the third person, like the wife and the husband. And it's very, very funny. Okay. I mean, it's sad, but it's funny. I really am liking that. Okay, I'll write that down. And I liked either or, but not as much as I liked The Idiot. Okay. I reread books a lot. I think I reread more than I like read new books. Interesting. So. I hardly ever reread. Oh, yeah. But Jenny Jackson told me that rereading is like comfort reading. It's like comfort eating. You know, it's going to taste a certain way and be really satisfying and yep. you deserve it. So, yeah. So I've always done a lot of that. I love Jenny Jackson. I'm so excited for her and all of her success. It's so amazing. I know. Now, when she told me that she'd sold a book, I was like, so everybody's going to know how cool and funny you are. Yeah. Not just, not just me. <laughs> She's so awesome. Yeah. yeah. I feel like I want to be like, couldn't have happened to a nicer person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Okay. Great. All right. Okay. Lots of reading now. Can't wait. All right. Okay. Um, let me know if I can add anything for clarity and anytime you need anything. I'm here. Thank you. Me too. That's your pleasure. All right. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music.